0: good morning everybody and welcome to the highlight of human civilization if you don't count my humming that really doesn't help at all but if you'd like your experience already quite amazing I think you'd agree to go up to levels that people can't even explain there are no words to explain them all you need to do to do that is to uh, grab a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or chalice stein, a canteen jug or flask, a vessel of any kind, fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. Join me now for the unparalleled pleasure the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called Simultaneous Sip. It happens now. Go. Ah, so good. That's so good. Well, let's talk about the biggest tragedy, and I feel that this is the problem that is not just in the news, but this has actually come into your home. I mean, unless it was just me, but I stayed up all night crying because we have now selected a new Speaker of the House. Poor Jim Jordan, he's lost three votes so far, doesn't look like it's getting closer. And so every day that we survive without a Speaker of the House, I feel we're that much closer to doom. And, you know, the evidence
1: is everywhere. You know, I mean, just look around. Um, Because there's no Speaker of the House.
0: The problems are... um, Okay, there are no problems, but theoretically there could be, and I think we should worry about that. The theoretical problems that we can't even imagine. Now, is, am I wrong, or do we need one rule that would fix everything? You, you want to hear one law that would fix Congress? No, not term limits, that might help. But here's one that would actually be possible if they don't come up with a budget, by the time they're supposed to come up with a budget, all the budgets are cut evenly by, let's say, 5%. And, and that's it. There's no continuing fucking resolutions. Well, why would you do a continuation of something that wasn't working and would lead you to doom? <laughs> now, I don't know if it's 5% or 15% what the right number is, but there is a the right number. There is a number that if you can't get it done, it just gets cut 5%. And I don't think they would ever get it done. You know, they would argue forever, but, but you know, we could maybe cut this budget, but that money should go over to this other place. You know what you could do? You could just get over it. You can just work with what you have. You could do that. Like everybody else does. You work with what you have. You don't just get more. So every day that we don't have a speaker makes me happy, and I don't feel good about that. Because you know, like, like I say, I'm watching Thomas Massey uh, trying to, uh, you know, get a get a speaker. He seems to think it's important, but I don't know if it is. The longer we go without one, maybe it's telling us something that we should have listened to. You know, maybe we're learning something from this that's actually important. So we'll see what happens. Well, in surprising news, but maybe not so surprising, RFK Jr. um, has come out in favor of reparations. Reparations. Now, here's what's interesting about that. That takes him down to zero Republican votes, doesn't it? Remember all those people who said, uh, hey, he's going to take votes away from Trump? Really? You think anybody who is in favor of reparations will get one vote, even one, from a Republican? No. (laughs) You will not get one vote. I mean, if I have anything to do about it. Because now it's it's serious. There there were a number of uh, RFK Jr. policies that I didn't like. But I thought to myself, "You know, but if he got president, at least he has good character and I feel like he'd tell the truth, likes his country, right? So I thought, you know, maybe I could live with not having exactly all the policies that I think are the good ones. But you no, know, reparations is uh, that's just a hard no. There, there's, there's no negotiating, there's no wiggle room. That's just a no times a thousand. No, no, no. You are not going to be the president. So that pretty much guarantees Trump will get elected, but it also, I think, guarantees that you can stop saying, hey, maybe RFK Jr. should be his attorney general. Nope. That's not happening now. So he's uh, he is now just a spoiler for the Democrats, which will be kind of interesting to watch. Well, I think the biggest story, and you would agree, if you saw the recent video of President Biden. I call him POTUS because, you know, I'm an insider. You could call him President Biden, but I call him POTUS. Well, POTUS, I don't know if the video was weird or the lighting angle, but everybody else who saw the video saw the same thing I did, which is there was something different about his chin, the, the POTUS chin. It looked like instead of his regular chin, which is not his regular chin would not be too different from mine, the way we've always seen before, kind of kind of just a normal little chin and but for some reason, the last time we saw it uh it had this big cleave like like a boob cleavage in the middle, so that the two sides of the chin were hanging down like balls, so his chin became like chin balls. Now, it didn't look like there was any surgery or anything, but he has chin balls. (laughs) It was a big mystery. It's like, why does he have balls on his chin? Now, if I were going to look into this, the first place I would look, I would check his balls to see if it looks like a chin, because it could be one of these switcheroo things. That happens, right? You wake up one day and you're like, oh, God, oh, no. Oh, no. Ah! You know, sort of that situation. But in the short run, until we figure out medically what's going on, why his chins became uh, balls, I think we should temporarily stop calling him POTUS. Not POTUS anymore. No, Scrotus. Scrotus. I think he should just be Scrotus until we figure this out. Well, Mark Dice, a conservative guy, did a uh, street thing where he was asking Democrats on the street. I'm not sure where it was. Was it in the Northwest somewhere? Some, uh, some Democrat enclave. But he was asking Democrats, just ordinary Democrats, ones that look like, you know, they're barbecuing and moms and dads and PTA, just ordinary looking ones. So I'm not talking about green haired people. Right. no, Nobody who's, you know, obviously Antifa, nothing like that. I'm talking about your most ordinary, you know, chubby Americans walking down the sidewalk. And Mark Dice stops him and he says that uh, he's asking him to sign a petition to jail all Trump supporters who say 2020 election was stolen. Jail them. Now, he says jail them very clearly. Now, not for free speech, but jail them if they, were, if they said the 2020 election was stolen. Do you know how many people he got to sign that petition? To jail. To jail. Trump supporters. For, uh, for free speech. Well, I, don't, I didn't see a percentage. So, you know, I don't know what percentage they would. But there were a number of ordinary people who signed it enthusiastically. Enthusiastically, they signed it. They were really happy about it. Now, do you ever ask yourself, how did the citizens of Germany ever go along with with Hitler? Like, how, how in the world did you convince ordinary people to to support a Hitler-like regime? And the answer is right here. The answer is right here. It turns out it's moronically easy to convince otherwise good people to be monsters. You just have to demonize the other side until it doesn't seem like it's monstrous. Now, if I if I said to you, hey, uh, step on that bug, assuming you didn't love bugs, you might just step on it. You wouldn't even think twice. You'd swat a fly. You know how you would swat a fly without thinking twice? This is just a frickin' fly. What's it going to do, go craw- crawl around on crap for a while? I mean, you don't care about a fly. But that, apparently that's what the news has done to Trump supporters who doubt the election. Anyway, it's, it's dehumanized them to the point where taking their freedom away doesn't even seem like a big move. It's like, oh yeah, give me that. give me that petition, I'll sign it. That was pure evil when you're watching these ordinary citizens, just probably good people 99.9% of the time. But because of that little corruption of their minds, that little brainwashing uh, thing that's been going on for several years in the United States, they actually believed that jailing people who would look and talk exactly like them, somebody who could attend their barbecue And would be perfectly acceptable about, except for this one opinion, that they thought maybe the election wasn't secure, and they would go to fucking jail, according to the guy barbecuing. Now, does that blow your mind? It's mind-blowing, but if you think it's surprising, you haven't been paying attention. Remember when I told you that Republicans would be hunted? And you said, well, that's crazy. Come on not going to be hunted Th- these are people signing a petition to put him in jail that's pretty hunted that's that's pretty hunted i mean you could argue about the technical definition of the word hunted but that's not really a real argument in this case that's just avoiding the conversation so that's scary but uh don't worry about your free speech because uh let's see if there are any other examples where it would be threatened oh yeah A pro-Trump meme maker got seven months in jail for a joke. That's a real thing that happened. Now, of course, how did they put him in jail for a joke? Well, it's the government. All they have to do is say, it wasn't a joke. That's it. The government just had to say, we don't get the joke, and they can put him in jail. Now, let's see, was it a joke? So what he did was he had some meme that other people copied. I think the fact that other people copied it and boosted it probably made it much worse for him. But his meme said uh, you don't need to vote if you're uh, uh, a Hillary, Hillary supporter. Which which election was it? Was it Biden or Hillary? I forget. But um, he said you don't have to vote. You can just text and your vote. So it was way back in the Hillary days, right? You just text your vote. Now, of course, that's not a real thing. So if people tried to text their votes instead of going to vote, you you might have erased their votes. But I can't imagine anybody used that number because it was a fake number. Do you think anybody texted that, got nothing that would look like a confirmation, and then didn't vote because they thought the text worked? Because remember, there would be no confirmation because it wasn't even a real number. They'd probably just get an error or nothing. Do you think you would feel like you voted? And do you think nobody would have talked you out of it or told you it was a joke? Yeah. Now, it's a joke because you think real people will believe it, right? So it wouldn't really be funny if you thought nobody in the world would believe it it's only the fact that some people would believe it that makes it a practical joke. Right? It's a practical joke as opposed to a joke because you're not just trying to get people to laugh. You get them to go do something, and then you laugh at them for doing it. Because, ah, you, you believe that? I can't believe you believe you can text a vote. So was it uh, a, an ill-advised practical joke? I would say Yes. <laughs> <laughs> given the circumstances it was probably ill advised but that's not how free speech works you can say ill advised things without the government putting you in jail you know maybe your fellow citizens won't like it and punish you for it but the government isn't supposed to put you in jail for a poor choice of words but they are and of course the it's election interference would be the charge now do you think that if Trump had not been the candidate and we were not in the context of trying to protect the election integrity, do you think that he would have gotten any kind of a, well, even even that he would want to trial? No. No. To me, this is obviously just haunting Trump supporters. He's hunted. They found an excuse that they could torture until they could say, all right, we got a reason. Put this one in jail. What does that do to future Trump supporters who might think, hey, this would be a funny joke. Well, maybe think twice. It's a chilling effect. But I think it also is a dopamine a hit for the people putting him in jail. My guess is if you hook monitors up to the uh, people who voted to convict him, that they would have gotten a charge. They would have thought, oh, we're making the world a better place. We'll get this Trump supporter. Feels good, feels good. That's what I think it was. Yep, I think at least half of them were turgid when they voted to put that guy in jail. So um, it's the gulags, as Sernovec says. Um, Did you know that the ADL opposes a group called Jews Against Zionism? So Jews Against Zionism. So there would be Jewish people who were opposed to Israel, I don't know, existence or policy or something. Um, And the ADL says they're a hate group. Are they? Who are they hating? What exactly is the group of people they're hating? It seems to me that the people they're hating are people that um, the ADL likes. As opposed to protecting them because of their ethnicity, I kind of thought that they were about, you know, ethnic differences being discriminated against. But no, that seems uh, entirely related to policy. So if you have the wrong policy, according to the ADL, you'll be labeled a hate group. Now I remind you that the ADL labeled me uh, a Holocaust denier. <laughs> Do you think they did it because I was a threat or, or even that I had that belief? Of course I don't have that belief. I don't even know anybody who has that belief. I've never even heard of it, honestly. In the real world, I've never even heard of it. Have you? Have you ever met anybody who thought the Holocaust was actually a hoax? Oh, you have? <laughs> I've never met anybody. Well, outside of Iran, I suppose. But in person, I've never been, met, even met anybody who has that opinion. But, yeah, so the ADL is a discredited, uh, ridiculous group you should not pay attention to. Uh, more evidence that the Chinese economy is in trouble. I guess they have a lot of debt at their local level. Uh, and, and they are uh, even more debt-riddled than the United States, which is interesting. Because I thought the United States was in the most trouble, debt-wise, of the big countries. But no, China's actually much worse. But some say China's debt is owed to itself, so that's different. Maybe. So there doesn't seem to be anybody who can look at China and tell us if they can make it through this situation, big debt problem and declining population, and some decoupling going on with other countries, U.S. primarily. But... uh, they could crumble any anytime, or maybe never, but um I think their future is largely not positive after after today all right, um, do you remember when I said, after this horrible Hamas attack on Israel, and the the barbarism that was involved was beyond anything you could imagine, and I said. That it's a sign that they're taking a drug called Captagon. Now, Captagon is what ISIS would take to make them fearsome fearsome fighters who are not afraid of anything, but also were not afraid to do anything. In other words, you know, war crimes and atrocities. So you would do it just matter-of-factly if you're on this drug. So it's it's a stimulant that makes you more effective, but also makes you care less about anybody else's Bad situation. So it turns out that uh, a Captagon drug is found on the bodies of Hamas members. So this is now confirmed. So the drug is reportedly used and produced in Lebanon and Syria, and extremist uh, uh, Salafist elements, including ISIS, have been known to use it. Now, does it all make sense now? The only thing that makes sense when you look at the Hamas attack is if they were zombie downed and they they weren't in the right mind, who confirmed it? <laughs> not Nothing from the land of wars is uh is guaranteed, but this does match observation, and I always tell you, if it matches what you're observing, there's a much better chance' it's real. There is no other explanation. For how so many people, a thousand people, could be murdering babies, but if you gave a thousand people Captagon, they would go murder babies. There's only one explanation, and it's not religion. Religion doesn't get you to murder babies. You know, not a thousand people at the same time. So that would be quite a stretch without the drug. So as I've said before, that uh, Gaza should be looked at as a medical problem. The Gaza situation, you know, before, during, and after the actual conflict is happening now, it's a medical problem. It's medical in several ways. During the war, it's obviously medical because of injuries from the war. And medical in the sense that people will have a great deal of trouble getting nutrition and, and the basics of life. So in that way, it's super medical. The other way it's medical is this Captagon thing. It's a drug, it's a drug addiction. So they're not just taking it, they're addicted to it in all likelihood. They're addicted. So you've got drug addiction, and you've got the massive injuries and nutrition problems. These are all medical problems. And then you've got the base problem, which is people were brainwashed into a uh, frame of mind where all it took was a little captagon and they could turn into murderous zombies. I don't think you and I could be turned into murderous zombies because we don't have the mindset to begin with. But if I had that mindset, give me a little Captagon, and I'm like, where's my gun? Gotta go kill some people. So I would say that the original brain damage in the form of brainwashing, uh, it's almost like a, a mind virus. So the idea that it's okay to go out and kill civilians in this context is a mind virus. It's not good for the people doing it, and it's not good for the people it's being done to. That's the definition of a, like a problem, if it's not good for anybody. At least if somebody was coming out ahead, you'd feel like, well, that's just selfishness. That's something else. You know, Selfishness, we understand. But this is a nobody-win situation. That's a medical problem. Now, suppose you treat it as a medical problem less than a, uh, a military problem. You would still need the military because the very first thing you do is quarantine them. But the quarantine didn't work because too many people got out. You still have to work on the quarantine, though. In other words, it doesn't make sense to send them to Jordan. It doesn't make sense to send them to Egypt because they have a mindset that can infect people in those countries and make everything worse. So if you treat it like a virus that must be contained, then that tells you what to do. And one of the things that you do is approach it with some compassion because these are medically, the people in Hamas, including Hamas, you know, not just the people in Gaza, but including Hamas, they have a medical emergency that's going on. Their brains have been scrambled such that they can't live with a regular society. That's just brain damage. So if you treat it as brain damage, mind virus, drug problem, nutrition um healthcare in general then you've got a whole set of compassionate world-friendly uh ideas that allow you to do everything you need to do which might be super violent but you put it in a a package which is not a military package so i think where where israel needs to go is to start treating this like brain damage and start using words like that. Because people will understand quarantine completely. Oh, I don't want that on me. People get that. But as soon as you say we're going to put these people in an open-air jail because they have a religion we don't like and we're at each other's necks, that's, suddenly it's evil. Right. So you can transform this from some sort of what looks like evil to some of the world. You know, that's the debatable point. I think defending your country is just always legitimate, even even if it's ugly. And th- so that's the reframe. The reframe should be treating it like a medical problem, but just as aggressively, maybe more aggressively. Now, if you don't like that idea, I have a second idea. <laughs> this Captagon drug apparently is addictive. So if they're taking it, they're looking for more of it. So I would give them all they want. I, I would be dropping uh, uh, Captagon tablets all over Gaza, except that I might make them a little differently. Four out of five Captagon pills I would make two weak. So if you took one, you'd be like, oh, this must be a weak batch. So you'd take a second one or a third. But one out of five I would lace with uh, fentanyl at a uh, overdose level, because if you're like, "All right, damn it, my captagon didn't do anything for me. Better take a second one. Uh, damn it, didn't do anything for me." And now you're down to a pretty good chance that the next one you pop kills you. Pretty good chance. Now, do I care that I don't know, is that a, is that a war crime? Is it a war crime to, to poison somebody's uh, medical supplies? Well, they're not really medical supplies, are they? captagon is a military asset. You can, you can bomb somebody's artillery if it's a military asset. So I would say this drug is just like a gun. It's just like a bullet. It's just like a missile. It's a military asset. If you can corrupt it and in so doing kill the people who would use it, I don't know. I don't know where the line is on that. But to me, it looks like something somebody probably will try. Uh, so we should uh, maybe maybe get the uh, cartels to join us in taking out uh, Hamas. I'm not entirely serious about that. All right. Um, there's a little more in free speech, what we used to think we had. Uh, so there's a recent poll by project home fire and innovative them or anyway, they pulled 2000 people. And uh, let's see, they asked, uh, they asked people, uh, people who plan to vote on it for Joe Biden, um, 47% of them. These are 47% of Joe Biden supporters say quote, the government should regulate or restrict the expression of views Consider discriminatory or offensive. Discriminatory or offensive. That the government should regulate it, not just the platforms, the private entities who you know just want good people on their platforms. But forty percent of Biden people are opposed to freedom of speech because that's actually the definition of freedom of speech: is if you can say things that other people are really offended. That's what it is. Free speech isn't saying what people agree with. That part's easy. And 47% of Joe Biden supporters are either not aware that that's what free speech means, saying stuff other people really, really hate, or they don't think it's important. Now, I don't think they understand the risk. As soon as the government gets to say what you can't say, then they find reasons why you can't say all kinds of things. It's not going to apply just to the few things they didn't like. It's going to apply to whatever they want it to apply to. It can apply to you. Next time they don't like what you say, oh, we found a reason that this is sort of discriminatory. Have you noticed that the woke can identify literally anything as discrimination? Like, oh, say, climate change? Has anybody mentioned that climate change is racist? So if you if you if the government banned saying things that were discriminatory or uh, offensive offensive so if somebody said no i think we should ignore climate change and everything will be fine that would be racist because it ignores the fact that climate change would affect some groups more than others racist by definition so therefore you should not be able to criticize climate change because that would be discriminatory and offensive, and you would have to go to jail for that, for criticizing the science of climate change. Now, that's not a thing now. Right Right now, you can say what you want about climate change. you lose your job, but you can say what you want. The government won't stop you. But 47% of Biden supporters are okay with a world where the government can just say anything is discriminatory or offensive, so we ban it whatever whatever we don't want. Amazing. You want to be more shocked? 35% of the people who say they plan on voting for Trump uh, also say the government should be involved in speech regulation. So it might, maybe be has to do with the way the question is asked. But apparently, you know, around a third of the country or more thinks that speech should be curtailed if it's something that's offensive or in somebody's opinion, discriminatory. And all speech is like that if it's political. There's almost nothing you can say in the political realm that is not both discriminatory, even accidentally, um, or offensive. It's offensive to somebody. If you said, I think Trump should be reelected, what would, imagine the faces of you know Antifa and other people who don't like that. Just imagine their face. You just walk up and say, you know, I think Trump should be reelected. They'd be like, uh, oh, you monster. I'm offended. Are are you? uh, He's clearly a racist, they would say. And therefore, if you support him, I think you just supported discrimination. Didn't you? You see where this goes? Yeah, you can literally ban anything that matters. The only thing that would be safe is things that are boring that nobody cares about. So a number of you still are under the impression that you have free speech. Let me let me tell you what kind of free speech you have. You have the freedom to say what the government agrees with. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Anything else, you get slammed. So it looks like the audio is glitching on uh, the X platform. Uh, none of the platforms are working today for different reasons. All right, so I'm not going to do anything about that, so you can stop saying it. Um, There was an interesting exchange on the X platform between uh, Jimmy Wales, founder of Wikipedia, and Elon Musk, and uh, went about the way you'd imagine. Let's see. Jimmy Wales, uh, and it looks like the context was, you know, stories about hospitals and other fake news that are happening right now. But Jimmy Wales says fast-moving claims and counterclaims. Um, well, he's just saying there are fast-moving claims and counterclaims. And Elon Musk has removed all the core features that made it even remotely possible to tell real journalists from fakes. What? <clears throat> In what world did that happen? Are Are you aware of anything that happened on the X platform? that would have made it easier or harder to determine who were the real journalists? I'm pretty sure the X platform made it easier to know who the fake journalists are, like a lot, lot easier. Am I wrong? The The reason that the fake journalists seem to have more, let's say, influence on X, is because we found out the other ones were fake too. Does Jimmy Wales not know that most of the journalists, most, that you used to think were valid turned out not to be? You know, when you found out that their publication was just some biased piece of trash. I mean, I just wonder what kind of world Jimmy Wales lives in where that's what he's seeing. Now, I would agree that the non-credible, you know, independent people seem to have a bigger voice. But it's only because the people you used to think were credible, you've learned for sure, were never credible to begin with. They were just a disinformation entity. Did Jimmy miss all of that? Does he not know any of that context? Because most people don't. You know, the, the average person who doesn't watch these live streams about politics every day, you wouldn't know that the whole system has been outed as, as rigged from top to bottom. And and well documented, you know, no no weird claims or speculation involved. You know, it's pretty well documented stuff. All right, so uh, Elon did not let that go. So he said that uh, uh, he said fix Wikipedia. <laughs> that was his only response. Fix Wikipedia.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and I responded to Jimmy Wells. I've talked to him a few times about fake news on uh on his platform. Uh talk to him on on DMs. Anyway, we could never tell what was real. Nobody ever knew what was real. We just thought we could. What's what's new is now we know what's not real. That's just that's the only thing that's new. All right. Uh Victoria's Secrets has announced. <laughs> well its uh, owner announced that he's not gonna uh fund Harvard anymore, so Harvard will not be getting funded by the uh naughty underwear magnate um so that's another blow to uh harvard um but in addition, the head of Victoria Secrets or the company itself has announced they're uh they're going back to sexiness and that they will stop uh showing. Models who do not represent that, I guess. So, how about that? Well, would you like to hear the good news? I like to tell you the good news. Somebody got mad at me for saying this because it was underneath a picture of the woke version of the uh, the angels, and let's just say not all of them were super attractive, which was the point of it. They were they were selecting people intentionally who are not the um, standard historical norms for beauty, so they're trying to make a a point about inclusivity but here's my point because I like to put a positive spin on things. It has never been easier to be in the top ten percent of attractive people it's now available to everybody. <laughs> when I was a kid, you know by the time you're like five years old, you look in a mirror and you knew. Where your rank was for the rest of your fucking life. Am I right? You just looked in the mirror and you're like, you know, this is me looking in the mirror. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Scale of one to 10, shit. I don't know. Scale of one to 10, god damn it, it's a six. <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. Like, it's just going to be a six. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be six forever. Nothing I can do about it. At the moment, if you were a six, all you'd have to do is diet and go to the gym and you would be in the top 10% of adults. Now, that's not an exaggeration because, you know, today you could you could get a lot of stuff fixed about your body as well. You know, you could get that nose job. You could have a little fat pull down of where you got too much, right? You can do all kinds of things with your hair. If you're if you're hair challenged like me, shave your head. Get some LASIK. Doesn't work for me, but you can do it. Um, right. So if you fixed your hair, your uh, your hygiene, you know your fingernails are trimmed and clean, and you've gone to the gym. These are all the most doable things in the world. And you've worked hard so you had enough money, so that you could, you know, um, take care of maybe getting a plastic surgery of some minor kind. Being in the top 10%, real easy. And I I mean that with with, literally, this is not a joke. I'm not just kidding around. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to turn off your platform because you're all complaining about the news. Um, But it was nice talking to you. (laughs) StreamYard just doesn't work more than twice in a row. I'm glad I proved it to you. Bye for now. All right, I'm just gonna turn them off. Um there was a let's see, interesting story about a Wells Fargo customer who happened to be an attorney, and uh, she went into a Wells Fargo in Tennessee where the company had mandated masks, and the employees the employees wouldn't service her because she wouldn't wear a mask. And so she was saying, you know, I'm not gonna wear a mask. And what, what was wonderful, it was a, a total Karen on Karen situation. <laughs> total Karen on Karen. Yeah. So the lawyer went Karen on the, the business. The business went Karen on her. Uh, I didn't see how it ended, but they ended up calling security. And security shows up. And the first per- the first security person was a woman with a mask. So it was like a triple Karen situation. Yeah. It was two Karens battling it out with a Karen as a referee. I wish I'd seen how it ended. I don't think she got service at that bank. Anyway. Well, you're probably looking at the stories about the ceasefire protesters who want a ceasefire in uh, Gaza. And they, uh, according to the news, they, quote, stormed the capital. They stormed it. Now, why didn't the January 6th people think of storming instead of insurrecting? instead of rioting. Now, the storming apparently did include some attacks on um, police officers. Uh, So there was violence. Uh, And there was trespassing in the Capitol grounds, indoors. So, let's see. You got some storming and some trespassing. Wow. You know what's lucky? It's lucky that they didn't try an insurrection to overthrow the uh, the military of the strongest country in the world. Because, yeah, I mean, you start trespassing, and the next thing you know, you've got control of the nukes. Trespassing leads to total world conquest. We've learned that. So, now, but people have said quite reasonably that these protesters were not trying to stop a governmental process. No, they weren't trying to stop a process like a vote. Or the certification of election. That's totally different. So, the January 6ers were trying to stop the government from doing the thing that the government was supposed to do. That's completely different than the ceasefire protesters who are trying to get, get the government to change its policy about what it's supporting. I mean, that, that's different, though, right? So, one is trying to get the government to change its policy about certifying right away and just you know do it a little bit later after they check for sure. It's sort of a policy processy kind of thing. But the other one wanted to change your policy of supporting the military action. Okay, it's the same fucking thing. I thought they were a little bit different, but not really in, in any important way. <laughs> it, it, it's just you can see the news as clearly as possible that it's a double standard uh if, if Trump people protest, they're, they're, uh, it's a riot, it's an insurrection, and they're all traitors. But if the ceasefire protesters do it, they're storming the Capitol and just have a different idea on policy. That's all. Well, I told you I was writing a guide for people to understand the news, how to interpret the news, figure out what the fake news is from the real stuff. And I had a pretty good list I put together myself of pundits that signal bullshit on the left. So if people identified with the left who the moment you see them, you say, oh, they said they're designated liar. You know, the Adam Schiff, Swalwell types, Phil Bump, you know, it's a longer list. But to be fair, I asked my audience who they thought were the least credible Republicans. Now, I'm not going to count people who used to be Republican, like you know Morning Joe. That doesn't count. <laughs> All right. if, you, if you abandon the Republican Party, that, those are different people. We're not talking about them. Um, but here are the answers I got. Now, I'm not going to agree with these or disagree with them. And it was unscientific. I'll just tell you what I saw the most. Uh, number one was Hannity. Surprised me a little bit. That the people who watch, who follow me on on uh, the X platform, that by a fairly large number, Hannity was the top answer. Now I think what they mean by that is that they they assume Hannity will always take a side, you know, the way Swalwell will always take a side, no matter what the facts are. So I think that's what people are saying about Hannity is just sort of just always takes a side. Um, now again, these are other people's opinions. I'm just telling you what other people said the surprising me totally was that one of the other top vote getters was uh uh Mark Levin. I didn't really have a sense of him doing anything except calling balls and strikes, but he always calls them in one direction so i guess I guess there's something to that um I was also surprised to see Ben Shapiro's name a lot.
1: Ben Shapiro? What exactly is he
0: saying that Republicans don't like? Like, I've seen a few times where he said things and maybe he said, oops, shouldn't have said that. That's just normal business for anybody who talks in public. Oh, you think he's too much of a warmonger? Is that the problem? I'm seeing the answer's coming kind of back. Well... But that's that's a different topic. I didn't say, who do you disagree with on policy? It was who is least credible. Yeah, that's a different... I, I don't think he belongs on the list because I, I think he's totally credible and he's also completely transparent when he gives you his opinions. But it's not like he's just making shit up, is he? Does Ben Shapiro have any kind of history of just, like, believing hoaxes? What, what hoaxes did he fall for? I'm not aware of any. All right. So I think you're kind of harsh on that one. I've seen Dinesh D'Souza listed, uh, Lindsey Graham, Carl Rove, Bill Crystal. Um, surprisingly, on Fox News, the two names I saw the most besides Hannity were uh, Killmead and Jesse Waters. <laughs> Killmead. Now, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what things people are mad at Killmead over. But I think Jesse Waters has to be in his own category because he's partly a, a performer and he's you know partly talking serious stuff. But when he's talking seriously, I don't think he makes many mistakes. Does he? <laughs> but when he's talking entertainingly, he puts on almost a, a character of somebody who's just always going to agree with one side. But he's, he calls himself out on it. He does it intentionally as part of part of the fun. So I don't count that, you know, that's, that's more like just being good at what you do. Yeah. I think he's very good at what he does, by the way, but you'd have to understand what his you have to understand what his, his deal is. All right. So the good news is think of all the names that were not mentioned. So somebody mentioned uh, Greg Gottfeld. Zero people said Greg Gottfeld was a non-credible source. Zero. And and he's the, you know, with Hannity, he's probably the top moneymaker over there, right? Two shows. So that's pretty good. How, how, how would you like to be in the middle of that domain and your, you know, your other coworkers are being called out, and not a single person. Not a single person called him out. That's
1: pretty good credibility. All right, Wall Street Journal War. I don't know what that means.
0: Where did Tucker land? Tucker. Tucker did get a number of people uh, mentioning him. Yeah, Tucker did. But they they were kind of. Uh, Kind of lukewarm on that, so I didn't mention him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. one of the things I appreciated about Tucker
0: is that when I don't agree with him, he's still being pretty transparent. In other words, he's not trying to hide the ball or anything. He just has, you know, maybe sometimes a different opinion of what's real. But he's not trying to hide the ball. So I always I always appreciate that about him.
1: All right. In this chip. Sydney Powell took a plea deal? Did that just happen?
0: And the plea deal, did it say she wouldn't practice law or did she What is minor charges and a fine so she can go on doing whatever she wants to do. I don't see, what was she even charged with? What was the drop seven felonies, testify against the others,
1: testify for the prosecution. Oh, I didn't know about the guy resigning over the protest. I don't know that story. Huh, over the Kraken
0: clan. So here's what I think. I believe that somebody in the intel community fed fed her the bullshit to discredit her. What do you think? And it worked. And if she knows that that's what happened, and she knows that it worked, the smartest thing she could have done is turn on the people who screwed her and make a deal out of it. That's what I would have done. So if if this, if what she does is turn on the people who end up being Intel-related or Democrat-related, that could be interesting because it could turn out that the Kraken is not about the vote. It could be the Kraken is the people who created an op- to discredit the Kraken-looking people. That could be the case. So we'll look into that. I'll see. I'll check out that story when we're done. Uh, Tucker and Vivek on World
1: War III. Did they just talk? He's being treated like Trump. Uh Yeah.
0: All right. Vivek said dastardly. Dastardly. It's such not a serious word. It's like a video game
1: word. I'm waiting for the Sam Eric Eric Winston trigonometry podcast. So, uh,
0: I was listening to a, uh, there was a staged event with Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, and Brett Weinstein, Weinstein, I apologize every time I mispronounce his name, it's Weinstein, correctly, correct? (laughs) It's so hard to deal with the names that I only, I continually read their names, it's so like all day long I'm reading their names on on, on X, but I rarely hear them pronounced because they're they're just below the level that the news talks about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm always confused about that, and nothing can help me. Anyway, back to my story. It was uh, Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, and uh, uh, Brett, and they. They got into this competition that they didn't know they were in to sound more professorial than the other because they're all that academic types, and it got it, it sort of degraded into pure ridiculousness. It was like they were trying to say things that the audience couldn't understand. It was actually hilarious now. I had to listen like as hard as I could to even understand the sentences now keep in mind, Jordan Peterson is one of the Best communicators in the history of communication. He knows how to be simple, but but you put him up there where Sam Harris is talking all professorial. And it's hard to be the one who doesn't talk that way because I feel like one is the smart one. So I feel like I feel like they all had the impression that they were being judged by their vocabulary and how complicated they can make ordinary things. And my God, it was like a master class in poor communication. At the same time, it was brilliant, right? So I, I will give them. They did, it in fact, to showcase their intelligence, and I'm completely convinced that all three of them are way, way smarter than average people, like way, way smarter, <laughs> like almost different species smarter. But it didn't help that they got in that little... uh your know, word competition. All right. <laughs> Smart doesn't mean good communications. Not always. But all three of them are, are capable of excellent clear communication. They just in that in that context they chose not to use
1: that skill set.
0: All right. Did I mention this before? Uh, Stop me if I did. Um, That there's an equivalent in women of that thing where men think of the Roman Empire too much. Uh, Did I tell you about that? The Roman Empire equivalent? All right. Well, even if I did, I'll tell you again. So women have an equivalent. There's something they think about every day that as a man, you would have no idea. And it's about how they miss their ex best friend. Now, the first time I heard that, I thought, what? That's so random. How many women are actually, like in the real world, how many adult women are thinking continuously about their ex best friend? And then I thought about the adult women that I knew the best. They all talked about their ex best friends. It actually is a thing. Everyone, every woman I've ever known really well would talk about how they missed their ex-best friend more than just about anything else they talked about except transactional things, You know, like what are you doing tomorrow and let's meet for lunch. But when they were talking about their feelings and what they cared about, it was how they missed their ex-best friend. And I feel like every woman had a, had a best friend when they were younger But because of life gets in the way and family, they don't have a best friend anymore. And I hear women say, I need a best friend more often than I hear anybody complain about anything. It's the number one thing I've heard from women. And I don't think think men think in those terms as much. I know I don't. Like, I never think in terms of, oh, if only I had a best male friend. Like, I'm sure it would be awesome. And, you know, there are people that I would say, oh, that person's, you know, in my category of best friend. But, you know, I don't have, like, a best friend. You know, that sort of thing. Just people I think are awesome. And I wonder about that. So one of the things I was amazed at, I think I mentioned this before, is that people involved in AA are, I think he said this on Dr. Drew, people who go to AA and they're going through the 12 steps, one of the things that they find the most, um, let's see, life satisfying and embracing is that they're forced to go to meetings. And then the, the group becomes like a little friend group that understands you like nobody else could ever understand you. And that having that human connection that you're sort of forced to do Right? You, you kinda of have to go every day, sometimes twice a day. And uh I think men in particular wouldn't do it unless it was like a medical emergency. But it is. You know, alcoholism is a medical emergency. So under those conditions they go to the meetings. They probably would not have under any other condition. And then they get this amazing benefit of just having a little tribal tribal association. So Here's what I think the world needs. I think the world needs more things that do the function of AA, which is making you go to a meeting of people you wouldn't ordinarily know, Uh, but you have something in common with. I'd love to see some kind of app or organized thing where people who just wanted to get together to cook could get together to cook. And just like it'd be a Tuesday night, right? But it might be every night. Maybe any night you want to cook, you just look on your app and you see who's in walking distance or a short drive who wants to cook. And then the app would say, uh, we already have some people who are going to barbecue, but we need some people to chop up some lettuce, you know, buy the lettuce and chop it up. So that there's be a financial element to it. So you, you signify that you're going to show up and chop some lettuce and you show up and you might not even know the people. Or maybe it's a group of 200 people, but on any given night, 25 of them want to cook. So, you know, you might not know the whole 200, but maybe you get to know the ones who like to cook. And you just have something in common that you're physically doing. It's the physicality and the coordinating with the other people that makes you bond. If you're not doing something physical, like to accomplish a thing, even if it's a game, just you're trying to accomplish it. Uh, You don't really bond with people. And until we realize that you don't make friends because somebody said, Yes, I'll be your friend, that never works. It's activity only, only activity, or or some weird commonality like uh, your kids are in the same class, that sort of thing. But you have to push and push and push to find that artificial situation that puts you with people, and ideally, the same population of people so you can get to know them a little bit through doing through doing now i somewhat accidentally drifted into that role with this audience which is especially the man cave live streams i do at night Uh, a lot of you um have bonded with the other people who show up so if you've never seen the evening live streams often i'll be talking and you look at the comments, and they're completely disconnected from anything I'm doing. Some might be listening. Others are just talking with themselves. Other people just put it on and have me in the room with them when they're doing something else. So I'm like a little, little, uh, you know, a head on a stick that you can put anywhere. It's like, ah, I'm folding my laundry. I'll, I'll put this little head on a stick over here. Sometimes you'll talk and Sometimes I'll look at the comments, but it's basically like I'm in a club. Now, I did not plan to create that. This is a perfect example of what I often say, which is you don't tell your audience what your product is. You take a first try, but then after that, they tell you what the product is. And apparently my product is helping you meet other people. <laughs> it wasn't my plan, but that's the product because that's the way it works. All right. That's enough babbling. I think...